you need to know your your subject and somehow carve out a a niche and go where others perhaps haven't haven't gone before Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzcast show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, as always, Travis Albritton, head of content over at Buzzsprout, and you won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters, just like you, share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things and the strategies that they've learned along the way. Now, in today's conversation, I had the pleasure of sitting down with the host of Cold War Conversations, Ian Sanders. And in this conversation, we were able to go really deep and practical on how to use platforms like Facebook and Twitter to promote your podcast. And Ian shared some things that I'd actually never heard before. And so it was interesting, not just for me, but I think will be really valuable for you to listen and to take notes and think about how you can incorporate some of the things we discuss in your own promotion and marketing strategy for your podcast. And Ian also was able to share his experience using Patreon, which as I know is a platform that a lot of podcasters are curious about or interested in how it could or might not work for them. And so Ian shares about how he decided to start using Patreon to allow his listeners to help financially support the show and the things that he's learned in the process of doing that. And while Ian had some early experience doing live radio. It wasn't until a friend of his encouraged him to start a podcast that he actually decided to give it a go. A relative of mine was doing a uh, media degree and uh, she got the opportunity to work on a community radio station. And um, she was worried about going down there on her own. So I said, look, I'll I'll go with you. Don't worry, I'll, I'll come with you. Um, and, uh, she had the opportunity to do the Saturday afternoon sports show. So we were basically, uh, uh, following the local team using the internet and following the goals going in and sendings off and, and all that sort of stuff. And then at the end of the show, we had the, uh, cell phone of the manager of the team and we'd have to call him up and do the interview. So, uh, this was quite fun. And this was live radio as well. This was FM radio to uh, it's in a town of about 60,000 population. Uh, not sure how many people listen to it, though. But anyway, so um, got into into doing that and was really scared about going on the microphone. I was really there for moral support rather than um, to actually go on the show. Um but I had a go and just really enjoyed it. There was a real buzz, particularly doing live radio, because we had to get the timing right into the feed for the news on the hour and drop ads in and, and stuff like that. And we played quite a lot of music on the show, but really enjoyed it. But it ended up taking just too much time. It was too much of a commitment for me to do it every Saturday afternoon um, during the football season soccer to uh to you travis um um, so i had to drop out of doing it and about three well about a year and a half ago um i discovered podcasts in terms of listening to them didn't really think about doing it at all 
Um, and I got in contact with the guy who was doing a podcast called Spybury, um, which was all about uh, spy books and espionage novels. And it turned out that he had a similar interest in the Cold War to me. And he said, oh, there's a desperate need for somebody to go out there and do a Cold War podcast. And he kept badgering me, kept badgering me. And you know how it is. You keep providing, oh, I'll do it next week. No, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never going to do it. But in the end, I took the leap in uh, March last year. So March um, 2018. Um, and well, before then, I'd sort of I'd, I'd set up a Twitter account. Um, and didn't have Facebook set up then, but started to build a number of followers on Twitter. So when I got around to doing the first launch episode, I think I had about uh, 600 followers on Twitter, which was great because it meant I could, there was hopefully a ready-made audience to um, listen to it. Um, so it went out and I've managed to sustain one episode a week Um from that um and social media has been really important in terms of um getting guests for a start uh that's where i find well it initially it's where i found a lot a lot of the guests um but also interacting with uh people who are interested in this the period of history that you know the podcast focuses on um uh, and then probably about uh, eight or nine months ago, I set up a Facebook discussion group, which has been really great in terms of, you know, it's a bit like an after show party. Once you've done the episode, you know, you've got if you're lucky, you can get the guests to go and join the group as well. And then all your listeners can interact with the guest on on there as well. Um, and so we get a lot of interaction on there. I think it's about, you know, we've got about uh, 800 um, uh, people on there. Some interact, some lurk in the background and just watch the discussions. But that's the nature of uh, Facebook. Um, but there's quite a few there who are always posting stuff and finding stuff. And it, it's it just I, I find the Facebook discussion group stuff works, you know, works really well. And that's sort of how it started. And I've been uh, doing weekly episodes. Uh, I think we're up to episode 46, I think, 45, 46. Um, and coming up to our one-year anniversary with Buzzsprout. That's awesome. So I've heard of Facebook groups, people making Facebook groups for their podcast. Um, like we have the Buzzsprout Facebook group, which is essentially a proxy for us to be able to tell people about all the teaching content we put out. But I've never heard of someone having their interview guest come into the group and answer questions. Like, how do you how do you do that? Are they just like answering comments or do you do a Facebook live video? Like, what are the things that you do to encourage that interaction? We we don't do a Facebook live video. I mean, obviously, I publicize the episode on the Facebook group and we get various comments through that. And what I do is encourage our guests to then answer and and respond to those comments and, and interact there. So it's not live. You know, some guests are more comfortable than others using uh, social media. The nature of the some of the guests I have on means it's it's sometimes an older demographic who are not necessarily as tech savvy as, as others. Um, and, th and that also 
can sometimes be a challenge when I'm doing the interviews as well, because the, the you know the podcast is is interview based. It's not my dulcet tones throughout the uh, entire episode. Thankfully, I'm sure a lot of my <laughs> listeners will say. Um, but um, so you know, I use a variety of uh, means to record record the show. Um, what I'm currently favouring at the moment is Zencaster. Um, I don't get a commission for saying that, but um, I, d- I do find it useful because it's uh, the I, d- I use it for free because I only have normally one guest on the show. Um, but just being able to record two tracks separately uh, makes it easier for editing. Um, but if I've got somebody who hasn't necessarily got uh, the right equipment or uh, just wants to do it over the phone, then I'll tend to use Zoom, uh, which is what we're recording. Well, what we're speaking on at the uh, at the moment. Right. And what I like about Zoom is I can give no matter where people are in the world, I can give them a local phone number to call into um, and connect up to them then. And, and normally you get a reasonable, you know, audio quality there. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. You You make it as easy as possible for the guests that you invite on to basically be able to share their stories and you don't let the tech get in the way. Um, so I think that's really smart. So, so you had developed kind of a social media f- following in a sense, like you had your Twitter followers up, started the Facebook group. Um, would you say that that's probably been the main driver of your podcast growth is just interacting with people on social media? Like, do you find other Twitter accounts that are kind of Cold War focused that you, you know, interact with or message? Like, how does that work? How do you network with people that you think could potentially be interested in your podcast? What what I found is key, particularly with Twitter, is to try and retweet and put out content every day. Now, that might sound a chore to some people, um, but it can be as simple as just retweeting somebody else's comment or, or somebody else's content that you're following on Twitter. And just by putting that content out every day, you start to accumulate followers. Um, Not huge numbers to start with, but it it starts to sort of snowball. And what I have noticed is that I've got more and more serious followers. So, you know, there's quite a large number I've seen of academics or um, people who are you know, studying to degree level, um, who are following us on on Twitter. Um, and that helps because they're often tweeting content that I can then retweet. And it, it just doesn't become a chore. But just by having that constant sort of output there just gets people to follow you and, and think, oh, yeah, he's, he's, you know, putting out some, hopefully, some interesting stuff. And, um, you know, you, you get you know get followers that way and i've been amazed at the growth of um you know the number of followers we do have now so i want to circle back to uh when you decided to pull the trigger on your podcast um you mentioned that you were a big fan of the cold war period and and what went on and um and and had a desire to capture eyewitness accounts of people that lived through it where does that come from like where did that love for the cold war come from um 
love for the Cold War. I'm not sure I'd call it that, Travis. <laughs> or but, an appreciation uh, of that period, or, or however. Yeah, you that sounds it. better. That, that that sounds a lot a, a lot better, Travis. Um, it really can't. I've always been interested in history um, from a very young age. Um, had a number of members of family who'd served in the military. Grandfather was. Uh, in the trenches in World War One, uh, was actually actually volunteered before the war started, and survived the entire World War One in the trenches. Um, uh, may have survived it physically, but certainly mentally, I think it, it it did affect him. And sadly, I didn't have a chance to really talk to him about his experiences. Um, my father served in World War Two, and is still going strong at age ninety five. And he was landed in. Uh, Normandy just after D-Day and fought right the way through to the end of uh, World War II. Um, So I've always had that history around me. um, But the Cold War period was a period I actually lived through and was very aware of um, at the time. Um, You know, I I talk about on my website of the sort of um, ever-present sort of shadow of, of nuclear weapons. And what I was conscious of is with World War Two particularly, um, a lot of the veterans had died taking their stories with them. The stories hadn't been recorded. And one of the things I'm trying to do with my podcast is to sort of um, record an, an oral history of people's experiences, but not necessarily just the military side. I'm very interested in the, in the um, civilian experience as well. So I've interviewed an, a number of people who lived in... Uh, East Germany under communist rule and what their life was like there and their experiences when the wall opened and how they felt and and, and all this sort of stuff. So it's quite wide ranging, but it, it's sort of taken a life of its own somewhat. I mean, I'd, some of the guests I've had, I never expected I would speak to. So probably the most surprising one is I spoke spoke with um, Sergei Khrushchev, which might not be a familiar name to um, listeners, but his father was a Soviet premier. He was a leader of the Soviet Union, Nikita Khrushchev, and he was the leader at the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And to speak to somebody who actually knew um, Khrushchev was amazing enough, but he also gave me accounts of uh, when he saw Stalin and when he saw the Barrier, who was the head of the KGB and stuff like and it was just you know I had to almost have a lie down after that one because it was it was phenomenal and it, it's just grown and grown as sort of you know people often what I find works really is your guests bring more guests if you if you look after them right um, and they gain your confidence that you're you know that you're doing uh, a quality piece of work then they will recommend other people to come on your show and and that's where you can get that you know organic growth yeah no i thought that was so cool that you got to interview khrushchev's son and then the other the other notable uh person that i I guess more people would recognize is you interviewed the son of youtube pilot gary powers yeah yeah, that would that that was um, that was quite amazing. I mean, I reached out to him on Facebook, and you know, aim high. I thought, aim high. You know, and I didn't get a response for months, and I, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten that I'd messaged him to be honest. And then um, 
I got a message back and he said, yeah, fine. Yeah, let, let's do it. And he runs uh, a Cold War museum in Virginia. And after we'd done the interview and I published it, he, he then emailed me and he said, look, you know, would would you mind providing your podcasts to the music, you know, for the museum? So we will link to you from from the museum. Um, and then I, I said, yeah, I mean, can you get me some, you know, guests? You know, can you, you know, get me some some other people to interview? And this is where uh, the Sergei Khrushchev interview um, came from and then I had uh, Buzz Carpenter who was a who was a um, Blackbird SR-71 a spy plane uh, pilot who um, was great and that it's just sort of taken off taken off from there so you know the the, the way to do this is you know I'd, I'd say aim high you want to get some episodes under your belt so somebody can see the quality of your work but then you know you you never know you might get that dream that dream guest you've been looking for well and then how do you mentally and really emotionally prepare when you land you know one of those interviews where you think okay i never thought in a million years that this would happen but it is and so i don't want to like there can be some internal pressure to like not mess it up and to like do your best uh so like how did you prepare to go into those interviews, to, to be confident and to have a good conversation, um, but then also kind of make sure you weren't wigging out at the same time because you're just so excited to be there. Well, you know, large bottle of brandy is a necessity. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, really, it's it's doing the research. Um, the, the way I, I do the interviews is I do try and have a structure there that takes the interview through a logical narrative for somebody who's listening who maybe doesn't understand the story so i have questions in there to sort of keep the story on track um but i do welcome guests going off at tangents because sometimes you can pick up some real real gems there and with the um the 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 Khrushchev one he he gave me a great piece which I used as a uh, soundbite um, uh, audiogram ad for the uh, episode which is where he describes when he was a, a young lad he was told that if the phone uh, rings and they say it's Stalin calling say nothing say absolutely nothing and it's quite a chilling um, it's it's quite a chilling piece but. Um, the prepar the the preparation is is knowing your subject i think and that that's one of the key things for me and i think works well with my guests is they feel confident that i'm interested in the period and that i know something about the period and i think that's important for anybody starting a um podcast is you need to know your your subject and somehow carve out a a niche and go where others perhaps haven't haven't gone before um it's a tricky one because i look out there and i see what appears like a gazillion true crime podcasts um and you know i've i've been lucky because where where i've gone there doesn't really appear to be um anybody uh doing these these sort of um interviews there's a number of podcasts that talk about the cold war um, but they're more about one person almost doing a lecture 
about a particular piece of the Cold War. And th those are great podcasts. Um, but, you know, the, the audience that I'm, you know, trying to get is, is people who perhaps don't even know anything about the Cold War or aren't interested in the Cold War, but want to hear a good story about somebody's personal experience against adversity or um, their experiences in the military or something like that. I think that is fantastic advice. I know whenever I have somebody on that I haven't met before, whether it's my personal podcast or, you know, this podcast, I always try and get a sense of where they're coming from and try and get a sense of, you know, who they are as a person. Because then, because you want the your podcast to sound like you're having a conversation instead of drilling people with a list of questions, right? Um, otherwise, it sounds like you're giving someone a, an oral exam instead of actually yeah. talking about something. Yeah, and that and that's how I arrived at the name because I wanted it. You know, the the way when I uh, speak to my guests before the the interview and I tell them how it all works. I said, look, you know, the atmosphere I'm trying to generate here is two mates over a couple of beers in the pub or over a coffee if you don't have beer. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get. So it's not an interrogation. It's a conversation and we just see where it goes. But I'm, I'm very conscious of keeping it in a relatively logical way so that it doesn't get just too confusing and people are just, you know, switch off. Right, so you're you're definitely guiding the conversation and kind of have a premeditated path of these are the high points I want to hit, but then how you get to each of those moments you're not so concerned about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, often I will, you know, I'll ask my guests, can you just give me a brief biography there? So I've got some feel as to where I can go and where I can, you know, where I can ask questions. Um, the difficulties I have is sometimes if I'm interviewing somebody who's worked in the intelligence services or something like that, then it can be, you know, difficult to get to, uh, you know, really get any detailed information, let's say. Um, so that, that can end up being a very short interview. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's understandable. Uh, now talk about your your podcast setup like what are, what's the gear that you use you mentioned that you like to use zencaster and and zoom uh what kind of gear do you use for recording your podcasts um well i use the uh the inbuilt recording in zencaster i use the inbuilt recording in zoom um what i haven't tried to do well particularly where i've got people who are calling in then they haven't really got the facilities to do an on a local recording to then send me. So you have to take the gamble that Zoom is going to perform how you expect it to perform and give you uh, a decent recording. I have had it drop out on occasion uh, where the internet connection has dropped and it does appear to be quite resilient in terms of picking up again when your connection pops back up again. Um but it does give you a few palpitations um, when that can happen. Um, I have used Skype as well, and they've got this new recording functionality or relatively new recording functionality on there. Um, but I found the sound quality on Skype can be quite um, variable. Um, once I've recorded it, I use Audacity to do the editing um, I did find Audacity quite a challenge to start with because it's not the most user-friendly interface. Um, but once you get your head around it, you can work with it quite quickly. And I quite like it now. I can, you know, I can 
edit and you know i've worked out how to merge tracks and uh do noise reduction and equalization and compression and all, all of those words that i had no idea when i started what they meant i'm still not sure what they mean but i'm told that you have to do it <laughs> yeah or it's recommended practice um so then i use audacity um and then uh i have been using alatu uh which you might be familiar with um to just splice um the episode together i find that easier to do than within uh audacity um and uh i i sort of use alatu also as a bit of a cloud storage as well once i've done the interview i make sure there's a copy in on alatu as well as you know on the um the uh, laptop i use so that's that's sort of sort of the, the setup i mean it's very basic i mean i haven't got the most as you can see, although the listeners can't see, um, I haven't got the most sophisticated uh, microphone set up as you have. Very envious of of what you've got there, um, <laughs> but I I'm reasonably happy with the with the sound quality I I get out of this. I mean, I'd I'd uh, welcome your expert view on uh, how I'm sounding now, Travis. Oh, you sound fantastic. You sound great, and you're just using a headset microphone. Yeah, this is a probably $30 headset with mic built in you know with a uh, a boom mic that sort of that comes out um and i find this is perfectly adequate i mean the the real you know um i'd call them sound geeks will probably uh, think it's not particularly good quality but for what i for what i do i th- i think it's it's uh, adequate well and it's very easy to get into the weeds of you know, oh, let me spend several hundred dollars and get all this stuff because it's going to make my podcast better, right? That, like, that's the idea. But really, story is so much more important than the incremental difference you get from a $500 microphone. If you don't know how to use it to captivate your audience and to make your listener experience better, then it's really, it's really a waste. And so there is something to be said for just kind of bootstrapping it getting something that works, and then just continuing to improve your craft over time to get to the point where it would actually help you to upgrade at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. You can spend a lot when you really don't need a lot to produce something of a, an acceptable quality um, for your listeners. One thing I forgot to mention is I do use, um, I think it's called Orphonic or Ordphonic for sound leveling. So I do put my episode through that to uh you know get the the levels smoothed out there as well yeah no i i'm a big auphonic fan for sure and uh and if you're listening to this i'll leave links to all the stuff we just mentioned all the softwares and stuff in the episode notes you can go and check them out after the episode um now i do want to also ask you about kind of your weekly schedule because you do interviews on a weekly basis or you release weekly interviews and you do a, a fair bit of promotion on social media but I'm guessing this isn't your full-time job, that you have some other thing, work that you do, jobs that you have to actually bring in income. So how do you balance podcasting with everything else that you have going on? Well, sadly, yeah, it's not my full-time job amongst <laughs> probably most of the listeners out there are, are uh, in, the, in the same boat as me. Um, I mean, social media-wise, it's quite easy. You can do that on you know, your commute or 
or whatever, you can just find a couple of minutes. And it really only needs a couple of minutes a day to, um, you know, put stuff out. The, the Facebook group probably needs more work. And I have got another um, uh, moderator on there to just keep an eye on stuff because the 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 content of the interviews I do has potential for political uh, discussion, let's say. Um, <laughs> and what I try and do is avoid any contemporary political discussion. Happy to have discussion around the particular period that the podcast is involved about, but, you know, stuff about presidents and uh, the B word in the UK as well. Um, <laughs> yes. we, we, we tend to uh, shut down those... Um, those rather quickly so you know i'm you know lunch times eating a sandwich i'll flick through my twitter feed and find you know a couple of things to retweet and, and stuff like that um as far as recording the show um i've at the moment i've probably got about 10 interviews in the backlog that are recorded but not edited and and ready to go out um which is exceptionally comfortable for me um and it means, you know, I'm not having to, you know, worry about, you know, what what I've got coming up. Um, so, for example, this week I probably I did uh, two or th I think it was three interviews this week, um, and um, you know, I I hold those, and often I will interview for uh, probably about an hour and a half, um, sometimes two hours. For, with an individual guest but then i will split that up into three episodes um and what's great about that is you're doing the one interview but then you're banking another few episodes to then put out and what i'm trying to do is to get them in a bit of bite-sized format so you know 45 minutes 40 minutes something like that uh try and avoid going over the hour um and you know, that way you can sort of build a bit of a cliffhanger depending on the guest and depending on where you're doing the cut over from one episode to another. So you can, you know, you can ask them a question and then not give the listener the answer because they've then got to look, wait for the, that next episode to come out. So uh, I guess that's really frustrating for listeners, but hey. <laughs> Yeah, I think 24, the show 24 made that really popular. I think they were the the first show that was like known for deliberately leaving cliffhangers at the end of every single episode. And it was like, oh, finally, that plot line was resolved. Oh, wait, now somebody new got kidnapped and we don't know who it is. Tune in next week to find out. And uh, at least in my in my memory, that was like the first time I remember that being more of like a common practice or a strategy. And you also, I've noticed in your episodes, you take maybe the juiciest or the mo most intriguing clip from your guest, and you put that at the very beginning. Yeah, now that's something I learned from another podcast. I, I heard it on another podcast, and I thought, I like that. I like the way that works. And um, so the opening bit of the of the podcast is not welcome to, da -da 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 -da, we're going to talk about this, that, and the other. It is a compelling piece of audio from the interview that hopefully will make the listener want to hear more. Um, and then what I do is I use that same piece of audio uh, to produce a, um, I don't know what you call it, it's like a video with subtitles at the bottom. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a piece of software called Headliner. Yep. Which I find is great. I think Buzzsprout has its own something or other that allows you to do that. I think the reason I didn't use Buzzsprout is you can't actually select the piece of audio that goes into the video. It just randomly picks a piece of audio. Or am I imagining that you've got something like this? So so Buzzsprout does have the visual soundbite. Um, and if you go into the editor for the episode, you can select where in the episode you want it to start and then how long you want it to run, and it'll create that rainbow waveform. But Headliner, so they, so that's called an audiogram. That's it. Uh, you see, I'm not up on the jargon, Travis. That's <laughs> where right. I'm saying. I need to be on the Buzzsprout discussion group more often, so I'm up <laughs> on the, uh, the, the jargon there. Um, so, so, yeah, I use, I use Headliner, and that works really well in social media because you... you um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna tweet something, at least make sure you've got an image there because that will get a load more interaction than just words. Um, but if you've got one of these audiograms, as Travis has kindly now uh, put me <laughs> right on, um, you get even more interaction. Um, and it, it again, it's something to try and lure people into uh, subscribing and and downloading your podcast. Right, and you're not just promoting it and then they get there and they're disappointed because you actually do a really great job of interviewing your guests and so i wanted to ask you about that um because if you listen to an episode of your podcast outside of the very beginning where you kind of introduce your guest it's really hard to figure out where you're talking because you talk so little in your episodes like you you do a is a good thing you do a fantastic job of making your guest the star of the episode and so I was just curious, kind of your approach to interviewing people and how you think about it um, to make sure that you're able to draw out their stories and not kind of overshadow the conversation yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I did, I, had, I did struggle with this early on because, you know, I know a bit about the subject and it's really easy to jump in and try and show off your knowledge of, of the subject. But what, I, what I've learned is less is more um the the less you speak the more your guest will speak and another thing i learned particularly was don't try and fill silences let the guest fill the silence and often they will you know they will think oh yeah i've just remembered yeah we did this and we did this and we and they'll come out with an absolute gem that wasn't in your script, wasn't in your list of questions, but is something that you you really didn't expect. And often I find it turns up in my audiogram because it's such a you know it's a it's it's such a it's such a great piece. Um, and that sort of technique is not something I've sort of read about or trained in or 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 anything like that i I just genuinely want to hear these people's stories in their own words and you know i joke um to friends because they say well what what is this podcast what do you do you know what what do you do i say well i just press the record button and i let these people talk that that that, that's all i do and obviously (laughs) that you know that there is more to it than that um but that's essentially it is is the show is about well I, the way I, I do my show is the show is about my guests it's not about me 
but we do we do have some quite fun conversation. I mean, you know, there, there's a bit of humour in. You know, I do try and inject a bit of my um, personality into there as well, so that where the humour is apt, I will maybe try and lighten things or or things like that. You know, depending on how you get the relationship with the guest, you feel you can joke with you know joke with them a little bit or be a little bit you know, sarcastic in that dry English way. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it just depends. And what I often find is the guest will absolutely warm to you as the interview goes on, you know, that they, they'll forget that it's being recorded um, and they will just, you know, relax more as people do. What kind of conversation do you have with them when you, you first jump on the microphone with them? Do you just go straight into the interview or do you try and talk to them a little bit first to establish a rapport? Like kind of what is your what does that flow look like from the guest's perspective when they come on to do an interview for your podcast? Well, one of one of the first things I I learned uh was make sure your guest is somewhere quiet. Um <laughs> because one one of my first interviews um I think the guest had the TV on in the next room. And uh, anyway, these are the things you learn as as you start. But wh- when I'm actually, you know, connected up to them and we're about to start the interview, I just say, look, look, you know, you hopefully you've listened to one of my episodes. Um, the way I do this is it's just a conversation. Imagine we're sitting over a couple of mugs of coffee or a couple of pints of beer. Um, we're just talking about, your experiences uh, or a you know piece of a certain incident in in his in the history or or something like that and we just see how it goes and i say to them and you know whilst i'm going to ask you you know some some questions here if something comes into your mind you know i love going off at tangents so feel free to just you know go with the flow um one thing I do tend to do is I do tend to send my guests a list of questions before I start, um, before I interview them, just to put them at ease as to where I'm going and, and what I'm I'm likely to uh, to ask there. Um, but I do remember with the, with the Khrushchev one, I mean, it was the first time I was using Skype and recording it from Skype as well. And um, yeah, that was... That was probably my most nervous one, actually, the preparation for that, because that was a one shot there. It, well, you know, I wasn't going to be able to go back later and say, "Well, oh, can we re-record that one?" But I, you know, I've I've been lucky. You know, some some of the guests, you know, their, their first language isn't English, so, um, you know, you you sometimes have to think about how you're going to ask that question in a in a form. But generally, people's, um, you know, the guests I'm working with, their, their English is probably better than mine actually. So I wanted to to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh the way that you financially support your podcast. So you have a Patreon page that you that you encourage your listeners to go and support you through and and so talk to me about how you decided that you wanted to use Patreon and then kind of your strategy to not only encourage people to go and check it out and consider financially supporting the podcast but then also how you figured out what kind of perks you wanted to offer in exchange for their support um well i'd i'd seen patreon on on other sites and as the popularity of the podcast has increased inevitably i'm having to go from spruce to 
whatever i don't know i can't remember the the different levels that you uh that you have within the hosting package and also um using alatu that comes with a monthly fee as well and you know there's there's various bits so uh with with patreon um what i did is i set um uh three i think it's three or four levels um so the lowest level was uh a dollar to five dollars um and there uh you're supporting the podcast and uh you get previews of what's coming up in the next episode um above that you get exclusive audio content so um i'll be uh stuff that might not make it into the full length episode i'd put that up um on there um and then above that um you get the chance to ask questions for of the get or suggest questions for the guests and then at the top level, which I think I call Politburo, um, you uh, get the chance to actually come on and be a guest presenter on the on the podcast or a guest interviewer. Sadly, nobody's taken that offer up yet. But you know, <laughs> I, I I I live in hope, and it's more of a jokey. It's sort of to you know, it, it's a fine line. I want to keep it serious, but I also want to keep it entertaining. If you see what I mean, but but not too jokey because it it is a serious subject but you know you can find some comedic aspects to it let's say um so yeah patron's been good um but i have found a number of people don't want to be committing to that monthly uh charge so um i do have a number of people who have i have a uh paypal uh set up with a unique link for for the podcast um and that's worked really well as well because you know people have been very generous there and made one-off um donations through that and that's helped me sort of you know add um you know uh cloud storage capacity and thing and things like that in there but you know it, it's yeah i'm a long way away from giving up the day job it's very safe to say <laughs> Now, I want to ask you about your goals. Like, what are your goals for Cold War Conversations? Uh, maybe give a before and after. Like, what was your goal when you first started the podcast? Of, like, what did success look like for you? And now that you've been doing it for almost a year, what are your current goals for where you ho hope the podcast goes? Um, when I first started it, I didn't really have any idea of the goals. I just thought you know let's just start this and see see where we go to and i certainly wasn't expecting to be um putting out episodes weekly i was thinking it would probably be maybe every two weeks or every month or, or or something like that um but it did take on a life of its own um but what i found is the more episodes you're doing the quicker you get at putting them together and getting them out because you you know how your your intro and your outro is going to work and you know my my format is quite traditional i'm not trying to do anything flash or clever um it's quite a tra traditional um format but it, it means that i can turn around content relatively quickly and i think as i said said at the start with audacity i know my way around that to a reasonable degree and can work with that um quite quickly um 
so I started really without without any goals. What I wanted to do was start to record oral histories, and that's what I've been doing. Um, I've branched off into some other areas. So I've done author interviews as well, which is an inter- and some of that is about trying to keep it fresh and and try and do different things. Um, I've done what I call outside broadcasts, where I've gone to an event and interviewed people there. And again, that is to try and do something a little bit different and to just make it not too formulaic each week and to just try and, you know, um, break it up a bit. And that that is, you know, I, I enjoy doing that because that, that's nearer to doing live radio when you're out, out there and you're poking a mic under somebody's nose and you're, you're uh, asking them a, a question or two. Um, that, that, that's really uh, enjoyable, that. Um, and as far as goals are concerned, um, to be honest with you, I, I've not really thought about where I want to go with it. Um, one thing I do want to do is make sure that the the content is preserved in some way. Um, and this is going to sound really morbid um, when I'm not around anymore. Um, so I've had my eye on archive.org because they do store... Uh, some audio content on there for um, uh, preservation. And obviously I've got my uh, partnership with the Cold War Museum as well um, there. But, you know, what I'd, I'd, because I've recorded the, these interviews, I don't want them to sort of get lost, um, uh, you know, in, in, in the future. That sounds really dismal, doesn't it, and, and morbid. Well, I think all I think everyone that has a podcast would love for their podcast to outlast them or at least outlast their interests um, and to leave a legacy of being able to help or encourage or inspire other people. So, so it's like when they call the insurance that you buy when you die life insurance, because that sounds better than death insurance. Um, So it's about preserving legacy, not, not, (laughs) not, not nearly as morbid. You've made me feel so much better, Travis, (laughs) with those kind words. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate the uh the the slight sarcasm. <laughs> ever so slight, ever so slight. Um so I want to ask you uh kind of as we start wrapping up here, how would you say that podcasting has impacted you personally? Like have been there have there been any specific ways that you feel like you've grown as a person or in your skills or in your confidence or anything like that? Um well, absolutely, all all of those. I think um, I've learnt new skills. Um, uh, Confidence-wise, I mean, in in my day job, I need to do presentations and things like that. Um, I am involved in a military history society, and I do talks to to groups. Um, but those groups are probably about twenty twenty five people, and that's one of the things I think you know that that people should recognize with with podcasts and i think again this was something one of your other guests on uh, buzzcast said is you know if if somebody said that you were speaking to a hundred people you know you think that was great well you know you can you you can easily you know start to build and and achieve that on on your own podcast you know and i and i look at my numbers and i think God, dear, this is um, like I'm speaking to a large theatre of, uh, you know, of, 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 of people potentially there. Um, and that's, 
um, you know, that that's a, a, a great thing. And I do, you know, it, it's easy to be, I think the danger is it's easy to, to become obsessed with the number of downloads. And it is a slow burn as far as trying to uh, build your audience. It's never going to come overnight unless, you know, you've already got some celebrity following. Um, you know, I'd, I would recommend trying to build some sort of social media presence um, so that you've got a ready-made audience and, and to get them excited about it's coming soon, it's coming soon or, or whatever and, and and to do that. But you shouldn't let that hold you back from putting out a podcast. One thing I'm finding is I have new listeners joining all the time and they are binge listening to the back catalogue. You know, they are the, you know, I'm so, uh, generalise here and show my age. They're the Netflix generation who are, <laughs> you know, um, devouring the uh, the back catalogue of um, Cold War conversations. Um, and uh, that, that, you know, the, the more content you put out, the more that people will... Um, you know, go go back to that stuff and 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 follow it. You know, li- listen to it as well. And I've now forgotten what you asked me. What was the question originally? I've rambled and and diverged, gone off at a tangent. That's all right. That's it's a forgivable offense here on the podcast. Um, no, so I was just asking, like, how podcasting has shaped you personally, or how it's impacted you personally. I think it it, it has made me feel more confident. I mean, you know speaking to uh military veterans of quite senior rank um and them you know talking to you know are, are talking to me on an equal level i found quite you know bizarre um but but confidence building and and what's inter- is people are genuinely interested in if you say to somebody that you do a podcast they're like genuinely interested. It's a great conversation starter because they, well, how do you do that? What do you do? Well, why would they listen to you? <laughs> you know, that is, is one of the you know one of the questions I regularly get. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it, you know, it it does build your self confidence. It gives you new skills that you can potentially apply not necessarily just in podcasting, but in other areas of life. So if you are, you know, working in a a sales role, you've probably already got a reasonable amount of confidence about, about you anyway. But, you know, the the, the interview techniques you, you learn from that and you refine you refine from that. Um, you learn how to present stuff and how, how stuff works and you know, you you build up a load of almost hidden skills that you don't realise you're building up over time, and then you look back, or somebody says, you know, like I'll, I'll you know be on the Buzzcast, uh, the Buzzsprout uh, discussion group on Facebook, and somebody asks, well, how do you do that? And you think, I know how to do that. I can I can help that person out, and you forget what you've learned over the last well, for me, over the last um, year that you've accumulated you learn from your mistakes and we've already mentioned a few of a few a few of mine and everybody goes through that and you shouldn't think oh god you know I, I should stop now because I'm no good at doing this because it's not really that complicated people try and make it look complicated but certainly with the the help of Buzzsprout and certainly your interface makes it dead easy I mean I don't think there's any other host hosting 
uh, provider out there that that does it, you know, that that simply. And I, I, I'd like to assure listeners, I am not on a commission here. I am not getting any <laughs> discounts from Travis. <laughs> yes, no, no underhanded deals here. No, uh, no, I appreciate that. I'm always grateful to hear uh, that people that use Buzzsprout are, you know, happy with it and satisfied with it. Um, so, Ian, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for sharing the things that you've done that have worked, sharing your your learning experiences and the mistakes that you made along the way. Um, and I've just got one more question for you, which is that if you had a time machine and you could go back to the day before you started your podcast and offer yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? It's very easy to um, prevaricate about actually launching your podcast. You can, you can delay and find all sorts of reasons not to do it. I haven't got the time. I haven't got this, that, and the you know this, that, and the other. I, I don't know what I'm doing and, and stuff like that. But you know. As I said right at the start, the the friend of mine who has the Spybury podcast, um, he kept encouraging me, and you know, in the end, it has given a whole new dimension to my life. I think, really, I mean, you know, I have, um, you know, amazing new set of friends all around the world who have experienced some amazing historical events who regularly stay you know, in contact, albeit it's Facebook, it's it's remote and stuff like that. Um, and they very generously give me invites that if I'm ever in the area, I should drop in. I think they'd, they'd be really scared if I did actually turn up. <laughs> um, but it, it it's created a whole, you know, I've always, always had an interest in this period of history, but it's created a, a whole new world um, for me. And I've had tremendous feedback from people as well. And I think that helps your confidence as well is that, you know, you, you will, no matter the size of your podcast, you will get people who will, who will say, God, that was great. I really enjoyed that episode. And that really does give you a lift. I know it, it can seem like a real chore sometimes. And you sometimes think, Oh, I'm getting nowhere here and stuff like that. And what you need to do is just go back through your emails and find that email or emails from people who said, you know that episode, I really like that, I really enjoyed that. If you enjoy listening to personal stories and eyewitness accounts of significant events in history, then make sure to go and check out Cold War Conversations at coldwarconversations.com and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and you could submit your application to appear on a future episode. And if today's episode inspired you or resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. All you have to do is leave a review in Apple Podcasts to let us know what you thought and also to help us reach more podcasters just like you. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep podcasting. <laughs>